We're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. This is Sports Crunch with DCROM. I'm your host, David Cromelo. April is here, spring is in the air, and we are only three weeks away from the 2022 NFL Draft. And from now until then, we have a jam-packed next few weeks here on Sports Crunch with more mock drafts, in-depth analysis of all developing draft-related news, and our annual Dash to the Draft Divisional Tour. And today, we make our third of eight stops on this annual trip across the league in the NFC South. And joining us to discuss what the Panthers, Falcons, Saints, and Bucks should do in the draft is Ross Jackson of the Locked On Podcasts Network and the host of the Locked On Saints podcast. Ross is also a member of the National Association of Black Journalists, as well as the Pro Football Writers of America. It's a pleasure to have you with us, Ross. How you doing, hey. man? Hey, man. Absolute pleasure to be here with you, buddy. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely, man. And without further ado, let's talk about the draft agendas of the four NFC South teams, starting with the Panthers, where all the latest speculation suggests that Carolina just might take a swing on a quarterback in the first round. And this is not a surprise whatsoever, given that Matt Rule's job is on the line, plus how aggressive they've been and looking for a long-term heir to Cam Newton for nearly two years, as recently evidenced by uh, their pursuit of Deshaun Watson. But as you know, this 2022 quarterback class is underwhelming, to say the least, and the Panthers only have one pick in the first 135 selections at this time. If the apple of Matt Rule's eye is indeed Kenny Pickett, as many have been speculating for months given Rule's attempt to recruit Pickett to go to Temple back in the day, shouldn't the Panthers do everything they possibly can to trade back a handful of spots to get more picks, especially if the trade-up market for Pickett isn't robust? Uh, I, I don't think so. No, I, I think you stand put, you stay put and you go and get your guy. I mean, I think that that's absolutely what you do. Like, especially when it comes to the quarterback position, like don't play, don't play, don't trade back and like hope that somebody else doesn't end up trading up or, or, or trying to go and get them or something like that. There are so many smoke screens, so many, you know, all these different things that can happen throughout, you know, the, the, the big you know, splash reports and things like that that can happen the first day of the NFL draft and it drives everybody nuts and all that. But honestly, look, if he's your guy, draft him, get him, grab him. Don't waste any time. You could try to get more draft capital out of it and then hope that you still land them. But depending upon how far you're able to trade back, how far you're willing to trade back to even make that worth it, I don't know that there's enough distance there if that's the case, right? Like if you're going to trade back with somebody to really make it worth it, you've got to trade back to... 1920 or something like that, or at least into the teens, in which case it's easy for a team like, for instance, the New Orleans Saints to move up and grab a quarterback that they like, which could be that same guy. So I would say grab them when you're on the board. Don't waste any time because you might end up missing out on them. That is a very, very good point, Ross. Uh, if the Panthers do indeed have a conviction about one of these quarterbacks in the draft, they should just uh, stay put and uh, take a swing on whoever that quarterback is, especially if they love that quarterback. Mm -hmm. But if they only like that quarterback, then maybe they could look to trade down, especially given Scott Fitterer's history for doing so when he was a uh, John Schneider's deputy in Seattle and last year. Yeah, absolutely. If you only like them, then you probably don't, you're probably not really. And that could just be the case with this year's quarterback class. Anyway, this is not the most, 
you know, thrilling quarterback class in the last, you know, couple of years, everything. There's no real consensus number one guy. Although I think uh, Malik Willis is the best quarterback in this class just in terms of his tools, things like that. But I mean, if you only like the guy, then you probably shouldn't be drafting him anyway at that position. But yeah, if you only like him, then sure. Trade back, see if you can maximize your assets a little bit. And then if he's there, he's there. If he's not, he's not. If you're not going to be hurt by that. But honestly, I think that they should go and address that offensive line right away at the beginning of this draft, as opposed to like go ahead and grab the guy that's going to protect your future quarterback and then worry about getting that future quarterback in next year's draft 2023 2024 when you have outstanding quarterback classes that are going to have consensus number one type guys in the mix very very good point there as well ross and now on to the atlanta falcons and by trading away matt ryan to the colts the falcons have put themselves squarely in the conversation for having the worst roster in the entire national football league outside of Houston. And I don't think they're far behind the Texans for that distinction. I really don't, but they now have five top 100 picks, a first two seconds because of the Julio Jones trade and two thirds because of the Matt Ryan trade in this deep draft. And thus a golden opportunity to lay down a solid foundation for the future. And last year, when they had the fourth overall pick, Falcons GM Terry Fontenot, who you know from his days in New Orleans, he went with the absolute best player on their board in Kyle Pitts, even though Kyle Pitts plays a position that is not regarded as one of high value, so to speak. Should Terry Fontenot follow the same approach in this draft, positional value be damned, given the state of the Falcons <laughs> roster? Yeah, look, I think that positional value will probably propel the quarterback up a little bit, honestly, as well. You know, best player available is still very subjective, right? And it depends upon what each team really likes and what each team needs. And they have a clear need at quarterback. This is another instance where I say, if you are where you are and a quarterback is there, go for them, especially a guy like Millie Willis, who would make a ton of sense for that team and would make a ton of sense working with a guy like Marcus Mariota for a year before taking over the reins. And then potentially keeping Marcus Mariota around to kind of be that clipboard holding. Here's what I saw while you were on the field, kind of, you know, coach on the sideline quarterback, which I think could be a good role for Marcus Mariota and would be really helpful for a young Malik Willis. So if Malik Willis say is the target for the, um, for the Atlanta Falcons, which would make a lot of sense considering their pursuit of Deshaun Watson, who is a similar style quarterback in terms of traits, right? I'm not saying they're the same quarterback. They're certainly not the same off the field, but when it comes down to on the field and their traits, the ability to be able to extend plays, to work off scripts, to work you know, outside of structure, the arm strength, all of that is still there. So a lot of the things that whatever it was that Atlanta liked about Deshaun Watson, you can find in Malik Willis as well. And maybe a little bit more of a uh, less risky package off the field. And then all of a sudden, you're in a position to where you just need to rebuild, you know, the rest of your roster at that point, because you have the weak defense. You don't have the wide receivers hanging around anymore. Uh, Calvin Ridley's out, Julio Jones is out, so on and so forth. So still a lot of holes to fill there, but it's another situation to where, yeah, if you can find that quarterback, go with the quarterback above maybe the tight end this year around. Definitely. And now on to the team you cover for a living, the New Orleans saints. And as of this morning, the Saints had one first-round pick at 18 overall, and just hours before we started recording this, they agreed to a blockbuster trade of draft picks with the Eagles. Philly dealt picks 16, 19, and 194 to the Saints for picks 18, 101, and 236 this year, plus a 2023 first-rounder and a 2024 second-rounder. And this gives the Saints three picks in the top 50, including two in the top 20. And that means that should the Saints want to move up for a quarterback, as you alluded to, they now have the ammo to do so. 
However, ESPN NFL draft analyst Matt Miller said last week that based on the Saints offseason moves so far, he believes they are prioritizing drafting a left tackle early to replace Teron Armstead rather than a quarterback. And based on the signings of Jameis Winston to that uh, two-year incentive line and deal and Andy Dalton, this belief makes sense to me. But that said, based on what you're hearing, do you think it's more likely that the Saints make a big move up the board for a quarterback or a left tackle? Look, I think the Saints are best staying put and either walking away and walking away with two of either quarterback, offensive line, or wide receiver. And to me, it's either quarterback or offensive tackle or and then a wide receiver. I think no matter what, wide receiver is a must for them in the first round. And there's no excuse not to do it now that you have these two selections within the top 20 in this year's draft. So for me, I think what would make a lot of sense for the Saints is to go with offensive tackle and wide receiver. You could go quarterback and wide receiver as well. But the big thing for me is there's no need to package those two picks and try to move up into the top 10 to grab a quarterback. You can wait till 16 to get a Kenny Pickett, perhaps depending upon what Carolina and Atlanta do. You could wait until 16 to grab a Trevor Pinning or a Charles Cross or a Bernard Raymond or uh, Bernard Raymond or even potentially, you know, a guy like Ikemakwanwu who could fall. So the trenches are going to dominate the top 12 of this year's draft, which could work in the Saints' favor if they want to go quarterback and wide receiver and then circle back to a tight uh, to a tackle at another position. And I think that that would make the most sense for the Saints, right? If they want a quarterback, then you might as well grab one in the first round as opposed to later on in this year's draft. But with the depth in the trenches in this draft, you could find a developmental left tackle like a Rashid Walker, for instance, out of Penn State, who can work behind James Hurst, who the Saints love at left tackle. So I don't know that they're really in a position based upon their offseason moves of telling anyone anything about what it is that they're doing at left tackle because they like what they have in the building in place of Teron Armstead. And in the three games that Jameis Winston was healthy and played without Teron Armstead, James Hurst was the starter there, allowed only 11 pressures and one sack over those games. They have a good bit of communication. He already knows the signals, the calls, everything coming from Eric McCoy. They're soon to be all pro center in my belief. And so I think that when you look at all that, the continuity, cohesion, familiarity, emphasis for the New Orleans Saints over the course of the offseason, all signs point to James Hurst, not necessarily an overarching investment at left tackle elsewhere. So if the Saints walked away with, let's say, Kenny Pickett and, oh, I don't know, Chris Olave or Traylon Burks or Jamison Williams, I think that, that puts them in a really good position to have a quarterback that they're ready to try out in the future. I'm not a big believer in Kenny Pickett personally, but they have a quarterback that they could try out in the future if Jameis Winston doesn't pan out. And most importantly, they walk away with that wide receiver in the first round. A lot of great nuggets there, Ross. Thank you so much. And uh, Mickey Loomis, though, is not shy about making big moves up the board or trying to. In 2018, he made a big move up the board for Marcus Davenport, which has turned out pretty well, actually. Davenport's going into a very, very good player for the Saints defense. And uh, he was trying to trade all the way to the top 10 uh, last year as well. So the Saints are known for making big jumps up the board. So you think that they should keep both picks as is right now, but do any um, rumblings coming from inside the Saints building suggest that uh, Mickey Loomis might have certain plans to aggressively shoot up the board again? Well, nothing's going to come from inside the Saints building. I'll tell you that much about that, but Tony Pauline, who is a fantastic draft analyst, one of the best out there, who tends to know what it is that these teams are looking to do, does believe that the Saints want to leave the first round with a quarterback 
and a wide receiver. So to me, that means that they're either standing pat at 16 and 19, or they're packaging maybe 16 and a second, third, or fourth round pick to move up a couple of spots to make sure that they get that quarterback. Then they sit around at 19 for whichever wide receivers out of a loaded wide receiver class are going to be available. So that would be the other alternative, but I don't necessarily think that packaging 16 and 19 in order to move up would be in the best of their benefit. Tony is one of the best in the business indeed. And even though it's lying season, we got to take everything we <laughs> with a grain of salt. Uh, Tony's uh, information is uh, some of the best out there that we can all uh, put some degree of trust in at this point. Thank you very much once again there, Ross. And moving on to the Tampa Bay Bucks, where since Tom Brady's unretirement, Bucks have loaded the cannons right back up for another Super Bowl run as Ryan Jensen, Carlton Davis, and Chris Godwin all resign. Plus, with the Packers losing Devontae Adams and the Rams losing Von Miller, the Bucs will likely be the consensus favorite to win the NFC headed into the season. In your view, what area of this Bucs roster needs to be addressed the most in this draft in order for Tampa to maintain pole position in the conference? I mean, genuinely, just throw a dart at the wall and take whoever you want for this Tampa Bay team. I mean, particularly at 27, at the end of the first round, these guys are in position to do whatever it is that they want. I, I would say probably in the second or third round, grabbing a running back because they've really lacked that run game, really solid run game. They brought back Leonard Fournette, which is great, but I think you can find another really good piece that would be a good fit for them. Uh, the Texas A&M running back, for instance, with these other guys like the Georgia running backs, James Cook uh, would make a ton of sense. So there, there's a lot of opportunity for them to be able to bolster that running back room. And then maybe you look at trying to add another linebacker but honestly i think you just keep trying to build in the trenches right games are won in the trenches this is where teams like the tampa Bay buccaneers the new orleans saints and other you know teams that are successful in the nfl they try to win games in the trenches by building up the offensive and defensive lines so that's what i would say seems most likely to address they have a glaring hole in the inside now after a surprise retirement with one of their offensive linemen and so i think that maybe that's a place where they could try to take advantage of maybe a falling Tyler Linderbaum, for instance, who would be a fantastic addition for them on the interior. You've got center taken care of, so you'd be moving him to guard, but he's a phenomenal guard. Maybe even a Zion Johnson, who would be great there as well. There's a lot of different ways that they could potentially go about it. He is Ross Jackson, ladies and gentlemen, of the Locked On Podcast Network and the host of the Locked On Saints podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Ross Jackson Nola. And now, Ross, it's time for our favorite portion of our Dash of the Draft Divisional Tour. We're going to let you play GM for all four of these NFC South teams. And as part of this exercise, um, you cannot trade picks, unfortunately, but okay. that's just the way it goes. We're going to do three round mock drafts for each of these teams, starting with the Panthers, who obviously only have one pick in the first three rounds at six overall. And let's see who is on the board here. Kayvon Thibodeau is still on the board. Him and Brian Burns together. Ooh. Oh, my God, that would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, Sauce Garner is still on the board. Him mm -hmm. and J.C. Horn would be amazing here. Charles Cross is still on the board. If you want that tackle, uh, very few come into the NFL as a ready and pass protection as Charles Cross. Trevor Lots Penning is also ones. still on the board as well. Uh -huh. And uh, he's a player that brings his heart at lunch pail to work that Matt rule would really love. And Kyle Hamilton still on the board. Uh, a lot of the people are uh, dissing him because of his 40 time um, unwisely. So may I add, mm -hmm. but he, he could be the best player of this draft period. Uh, he, he could uh, take your defense to an even greater level. 
Yeah, so, this is like this is easy for me. This is Charles Cross all the way. I mean, I, listen, I, I think honestly, I would probably say Kayvon Thibodeau, but I'd really highly doubt Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be available at six. <laughs> and so for me, even though people are kind of like talking bad about him and whatever, I don't think that he's really actually going to fall. We hear this every year with some defensive player that people are talking bad about. But I think that for uh, for Carolina, going Charles Cross makes the most sense. Absolutely. They've been looking to solve that uh, left tackle issue for years and years and years since Jordan Gross uh, hung up his cleats and uh, they have to stop that carousel ASAP and Charles Cross is a very, very good candidate to do just that. And now we are going to the Atlanta Falcons who have five picks of the top 100, as I said, and let's see who's still on the board. Trayvon Walker and Kayvon Thibodeau are still on the board here. They could... Uh, if there's any glaring need on this Falcons roster and there are a lot outside of quarterback, it's edge, the second most yep. important position on the field. And you get your choice between Trayvon Walker or Kayvon Thibodeau or Jermaine Johnson. Or Jermaine Johnson. I, I, I think uh, Kayvon Thibodeau is the, is the most ready one. And so I'll go Kayvon Thibodeau for them as much as I hate it. Uh, but I do think that you're right. I mean, them adding an edge rusher makes a ton of sense. And they had their pick of the litter right there for sure. Definitely. And uh, if they don't go quarterback, uh, my guess would be they go whoever the best edges on the board. But if uh, Kyle Hamilton is still there, um, I can see Terry Fontenot um, taking him if he thinks he's the best player on the board, period, because he did it with Kyle Pitts last year, as we just talked about, even though Kyle Pitts doesn't play a position that's not the most uh, high on the positional value chart. He can do the same thing with Kyle Hamilton, too. So the Falcons have options, and uh, Terry Fontenot is – going to have an interesting next couple weeks of meetings, so to speak. And we are coming on the clock again at 43 in just a little bit. And we're back on the clock. And Tyler Linderbaum is the best player left on the board. Uh, The uh, center from Iowa who could uh, have a very similar impact as a rookie that Creed Humphrey had for the Chiefs last year. N'Kobe Dean from Georgia, if they want to get a Homegrown boy on their defense, Nicobe Dean could could be the guy. Plus, he has a uh, leadership. He oozes leadership. Mm-hmm. That the Falcons need a lot of young leaders on that roster. He'll provide that on day one. Let's yeah, see I think I, I think honestly, being able to roll here into Nicobe Dean after losing Foyer the way that they did this offseason makes a ton of sense for them. I think linebacker and their defense is probably the place where they need to do the most work. And so I love the idea of continuing the defensive trend for them to be able to add in to Kobe Dean and put him at the second level right alongside, um, you know, the, the, the other great linebackers that they've been able to hold on to. And then of course, now you add Kayvon Thibodeau in front of them. It gives them a much better front seven situation, which they've struggled with a lot over the course of the last, uh, last few years. Absolutely. And the Falcons, uh, they don't need to force a pick on a quarterback in this draft at all, uh, right. given the state of their roster. And uh, given the fact that they're probably not going to be very good next year anyways, they could find themselves in excellent position to draft uh, one of the top quarterbacks in next year's class. So uh, loading up on that defensive front seven, if they don't go quarterback, makes a ton of sense. And we are um, approaching our third round pick at 58 overall and uh let's see kenneth walker the third is still on the board uh yeah you got cordero patterson but he's a gadget player he's positionless and mike davis uh, i'm 
still not sure about him. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- th- they need a, a runner that will eat in Arthur Smith's offense. Arthur Smith, uh, he worked with Derrick Henry uh, in Tennessee, and uh, he needs a running back that can shoulder most of the load for his offense uh, in Atlanta. Kenneth Walker the third making ton of sense. But Brees Hall is still on the board. Mm-hmm. If he's arguably the most complete back in the draft. He can pass protect. He can catch the ball in the backfield. He can grind between the tackles. He's like Matt Forte 2.0. Isaiah Spiller still here, but I personally like Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker the third better, so to speak. Um, if you want a wide receiver and they have a bare cover right now, George Pickens and George is a very underrated player. Um, yeah. He, he'd be very good for them. Yeah. I love the, I love your, your initial reaction there of um, well, in, in particular, I think, I think Kenneth Walker would be a good pick for them, but honestly, the Brees Hall selection, I think makes a ton of sense for them. I don't think you have to rush to grab a wide receiver in this class either. And so I think that gives you a good position here to be able to take a spot that, you know, will impact you on a down by down basis. Cause Brees Hall may be really the only really solidified three down running back in the early portion of this draft. You can find some later, but I think Brees Hall would be a great selection for them here. Brees Hall is the pick at 58 overall for the Falcons. Their second pick of the second round, the pick they got from the Titans. So the pick they got for Derrick Henry's Titans turns into Brees Hall in this mock draft. And I believe Brees Hall would have maybe not quite the same impact Derrick Henry has on the Titans, but he'd have a very big impact Mm -hmm. for Arthur Smith's offense in Atlanta. And now for the first to two third round picks for the Falcons at 74 overall. If you want to roll the quarterback dice, uh, taking a, a shot on Sam Howell wouldn't hurt you here. Mm-hmm. But uh, given the uh, needs all over the roster, you uh, have to look elsewhere. Trey McBride is still on the board. Uh, you could put him as your inline tight end and give Kyle Pitts uh, more freedom to, to flex out and move him around the formation. Arthur Smith's offense, keep in mind, is heavy on 12 personnel, mm-hmm. two tight ends. So you get, you get Trey McBride, will, which will give Kyle Pitts a lot more leeway to move all the way around the formation. Trey McBride would make a ton of sense here. Uh, Travis Jones is still on the board. Yeah, you still got Grady Jarrett, but uh, you can never have enough guys who can rush the passer, whether from the inside or from the edge. And to get Kayvon Thibodeau, Grady Jarrett, and Travis Jones in a NASCAR package, Dean Pease would be doing a happy dance. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. I was just looking to see maybe the top wide receiver, Calvin Austin's there. Calvin Austin, the third is here. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, you're you're dipping pretty low at that point. So I think you could probably circle back to wide or Jane receiver. Tolbert. I like Tolbert. Yeah. I do too. I think he, you're not, you don't have that, that many selections here between this and 82. So I think, look, build around what's going to make your team a potential destination for upcoming free agent wide receivers, but also, excuse me, upcoming free agent quarterbacks, but also give yourself the weapons that you need on the offensive side to be able to support a rookie quarterback. So I like your instinct here with Trey McBride. 12 personnel makes a lot of sense be able to alleviate a little bit of their blocking responsibility the inline responsibility for Kyle Pitts yeah Trey McBride is the pick at 74 and now moving right along to pick 82 the final pick for the Falcons in this three round mock draft and uh, if you want to roll the dice on a quarterback I like Carson Strong a lot here Carson Strong or Sam Howell but in terms of wide receivers um Let's see. 
Gotta go. Jalen Tolbert is still him, here. Jalen Tolbert. I love Jalen Tolbert. I think he is one of those big field stretching as well as a 50 50 ball guy that I think can give your offense a little bit of extra juice. This is a team that is not investing in a quarterback in this draft, in this particular mock draft, right? Cause you can roll the dice on the other guys, like you mentioned, but those guys aren't starting for you this year. So why roll the dice there? I would say add Jalen Tolbert, continue to boost the weapons around quarterback so that next year you can be that attractive spot. Definitely. And that concludes our three round mock for the Atlanta Falcons. And now moving on to your new Orleans saints. We are on the clock at 16. Jamison Williams still on the board. He's the top player left. Trevor Penning. If you want him to, Replace Teron Armstead, a, a small school prospect, replacing another small school prospect. Trevor <laughs> Penning would make a lot of sense. And Kenny Pickett is still on the board. And Mark Schofield, uh, in our uh, episode previewing the quarterback class, he says that the Saints are an ideal destination for Kenny Pickett because playing most of his games either indoors in a dome mm -hmm. or uh, in warmer weather climates yep. with, with Tampa. And, and humid Charlotte, climates, too. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, that would definitely minimize the concerns of his hand size. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's, that's perfectly logical for me. I think that quarterback makes sense for the saints at 16. Kenny Pickett's the one that's on the board and he's the one that fits the offense probably the best as well. So let's roll with Kenny Pickett at 16. Kenny Pickett, the pick at 16. And now to pick 19 for the new Orleans saints, Jamison Williams still on the board. I think he'd be tremendous value here if you go this far. Uh, like a Kenny Pickett, uh, he was pretty darn good at uh, vertical shots down the field mm -hmm. last year. And uh, Jamison Williams, uh, not only can he um, take the top off a of defense, he can uncover underneath so well. And it's those underneath patterns that Kenny Pickett loves to feast on as well. And uh, he's a great catch and run threat. And Pickett can... With that accuracy of his, he can like throw it in between the numbers of uh, Jameson Williams. Williams can catch it and break tackles and take it to the house. Yeah. Like, I, I think Jameson Williams make a ton of sense here. I think if you want a version of Jameson Williams that isn't recovering from the injury, right, you could go with Chris Olave. But honestly, any wide receiver at this point at 19 makes a ton of sense for the Saints. Now, they could shock the world here and have Kenny Pickett at 16 and then here still have Trevor Penning available at 19 and, you know, find a hard, find it hard to pass on that. But if the rumors are true that they want to leave round one with a quarterback and a wide receiver, let's roll with Jamison Williams, but really you can swap him out with any wide receiver that's available in that top class. Yeah. So Kenny Pickett and Jamison Williams start off this uh, three round mock draft for the saints. And we are going to be on the clock in just a little bit at pick 48 i believe 49 49 49, for you. Mm -hmm. 49. that is the saints uh second round pick and uh, they're going to have uh some options here oh is he gonna make it oh i was about to say okay oh uh, yeah were you Oof. uh hoping Jaquan I, brisker would make yeah it? i was hoping he was gonna make it there for a second <laughs> yeah the saints could use another safety Jalen petre is still okay there, yeah this is an easy one for me I, I i have been talking well actually you know what no not anymore they just signed jordan evans they've been very active today since the trade they've signed safety jordan evans from the tampa Bay buccaneers they've also brought in taco taco charlton from the uh, Dallas Cowboys, like former first round pick of the Dallas Cowboys. So actually I have to hold my inhibitions here for, or create my inhibitions here for a moment and hold my instinct, which is to go after one of these, uh, 
go after one of these safeties. And instead, I think I'll have to look at a different position just because I don't know that they've, they've invested so much in bringing PJ Williams back with adding Jordan Evans. They've and Jordan Evans can play in the box. He's not very much a strong say or a free safety, but he can come in and play strong safety. They brought Marcus may back to fill that free safety role. So I think at this point we should look at uh, who else is on the board behind Petrie, but I love him. I think he's a fantastic prospect and some team's going to be really happy landing him in the second. Um, you got some tackles, Bernhard Ryman. He may be a project, but he oozes athletic upside. Daniel Falele of Minnesota. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, Bernard Raymond, that's, that's the guy right there. And I'll tell you why the, the saints have prototypes and he hits almost every single one of those prototypes. It'll, you know, he's got good size, but he is the closest out of the top six tackles in this year's class to the new Orleans saints prototypical size, which is around six foot six, 311 pounds. He's right around that area. And then he checks the box for elite speed. Uh, at the position, right? Relative to his position, elite speed, elite agility, and elite explosion. Very hard to pass up on Bernard Raymond here at pick 49 when you've already addressed quarterback and wide receiver. This allows you to address three big needs with three top 50 prospects. This is why I think the Saints should stay put at 16 and 19 because you might be able to get a guy like this at 49. Absolutely. And with the roster arguably in transition, the Saints uh, would be wise to keep all those picks as it is. And we give them Bernhard Ryman at 49 overall. And we are headed uh, to the third round with the final selection of this three round mock for the uh, Saints. And uh, as we mentioned, because of the blockbuster trade with the uh, Eagles, uh, they originally had uh, two uh, compensatory third round picks because of the new rule when uh, you have a minority that uh, gets a, coaching or GM job with another team, you get two comp picks, uh, but they traded one of those comp picks for the Eagles in this uh, pick swap today. So they only have one third round pick at 98 overall. And uh, we are fast approaching pick number 98. Come on, mock draft machine. <laughs> so just to, just to clarify that a little bit, uh, uh, Terry Fontenot was hired last year to the Atlanta Falcons. So they got a third round pick last year and a third round pick this year. The other compensatory third round pick that they had for this year was because they lost, uh, I believe it was, uh, oh, it was Trey, it was uh, Trey Hendrickson to the Cincinnati oh, Bengals. And so they traded, oh yeah, for sure. They traded the compensatory pick they got for Trey Hendrickson and held on to the Terry Fontenot uh, second third round pick. And this is the Terry Fontenot second third rounder at 98 overall. And... We got Troy Anderson. He's an intriguing athletic linebacker from Montana State. The, the Saints uh, need a little bit more athleticism in that linebacking core. Troy Anderson could be tremendous value here. Really interesting. We're in a 4-4-2 fastest linebacker at the uh, combine and then showed up at his pro day and put up what would have been the fastest numbers in three cone and short shuttle as well. So he is absolutely a big time athletic guy. Um, let's see the safeties because that's a pressing need. Uh, Brian Cook from Cincinnati still on the board. I think uh, the draft network might be a little low on him because I've heard great things on him from some people. He's a really, really good prospect, can do a lot of different things, but plays probably most well, you know, plays the, the best version of his game down in the box, which is a role that they could still be looking for. But with the addition of, uh, of Jordan Evans today, maybe, maybe they could look at that. They're going to roll around here at 121 in the fourth round and see if maybe he's available at that point. I think that probably the next place that makes the most sense for them to go is actually going to be tight end. Uh, they're going to move um, Taysom Hill to tight end. He's going to play a little bit of a, an H uh, kind of move tight end role or an F, excuse me, move tight end role, but they're still looking for 
really the inline guy that can be a receiver. So you've got a couple that are available. I see Jake Ferguson on the board. I've also saw uh, Jeremy Ruckert, I believe was on the board. And then I know I saw Greg Dolchich and Greg Dolchich is probably one of my favorite ones outside of Jelani Woods. I think it's a little early to go to Jelani. And I think that Dolchich gives you a similar skill set as a receiver and as a run after catch threat at the tight end position, which I think is something the Saints have not had since the days of Jimmy Graham. So I would go with Greg Dolchich here, knowing I could roll around to safety a little bit later. Yeah, Greg Dolchich is the pick for the Saints to conclude this three-round mock. And we are now on to the Bucks at 27 overall. And let's see who's still on the board. Oh, George Karloftis is still on Oof. the board. Him Oof. and Shaq Barrett. Rushing the passer would be a dream. And I think Edge arguably is secretly the most glaring need on this Bucks roster because after Shaq Barrett, he got Joe Tryon Shoinko, you drafted last year, but he is an unproven entity. Carl Loftus immediately gives you a very high floor. Yeah, this is easy. When he comes in. This is easy right here. That's a dream come true for, uh, for Tampa, who has so many other positions already taken care of to be able to walk in and add at the second or third most important position of your team in the first round for nothing like this. Absolutely. Yes. This is easy. This is easy. It's George Carl Loftus all the way. Yeah. George Carl Loftus, Todd Bowles would be a happy man if that happened. And uh, it's going to be a while before the uh, bucks pick again, but uh, let's uh, go back to the saints uh, for just a second. We concluded their three round mock with uh, Greg Dulcich and uh, Dane Brugler of The Athletic reported before the combine that uh, around the league, they're torn 50-50 as in the teams over him and Trey McBride as tight end one in this class. So that could be a steal for the Saints if they're able to get him that late. Absolutely, absolutely. He's got a lot of good tools, a lot of good tools. And for the Bucks at 60, Kenneth Walker III from Michigan State still here. I think he would be Man. a fabulous pick here. Yeah, you got Leonard Fournette, but Kenneth Walker III, he, he could do it all, man. You want that complimentary piece, right? Yes, uh, you, and Tom Brady, like Peyton Manning, he wants his running backs to pick up the blitz. Yep. And yep. Kenneth Walker III would be more than ideal for that. But uh, there's an an intriguing name also still here in Travis Jones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got Vita Vega, but uh, outside of Vita Vega on that uh, defensive line, um, who do you you have at five tech? Travis Jones could uh, be very good for Todd Bowles there. Mm -hmm. He certainly could be. He certainly could be. But I got to tell you, Tom Brady's in your building. So Tom Brady's going to dictate a lot of the picks that you're going to make, right? Either directly or indirectly. I'll be surprised if he's not in the war room, if I'm being honest. I'm just playing. But I think that Kenneth Walker gives you that extra piece. I, I figure second, third round targeting wide, uh, targeting running back makes a lot of sense. Um, and Kenneth Walker, Isaiah Spiller is also on the board here. But I think you're right. Walker gives you that blocker that you really like. as well as somebody that can catch out of the backfield. It gives you a James Cook type, right? A guy that'll come to work every day. And so I really, really like the fit and idea of Kenneth Walker there. Yeah, 60 could very well be the floor for Kenneth Walker the third, And we give him to the Bucks in this three-round mock. And we are approaching the final pick of the three-round mock for Tampa. And... Let's see where it leads us. They got a long wait here. I'll be surprised if they, uh, if they sit, if they sit around and wait uh, through all that, honestly. Uh, Oh, oh, absolutely. They could be making calls to trade up the D, but we are back on the clock again at 91 overall. 
Um, Leo Chanel from Wisconsin, but you already have Levante David and uh, Devin White. This uh, you could have better options here. Um, if Gronk doesn't come back, Jeremy Ruckert from Ohio State here. I mentioned um, Jelani Woods. You mentioned Jelani Woods, but you think this is too early for him? Yeah, look, there's some really interesting spots here that they could go because what's the what's the plan for Tampa after Tom Brady? Uh, is it really Kyle Trask? I think I Carson know. Strong is better than Kyle Trask. I think Carson Strong is better than Kyle Trask too. So what if they rolled the dice here at quarterback? What if they were the team that rolled the dice at quarterback uh, at this point? That could be a really, really interesting fit for them. We've watched them invest in the quarterback position around Tom Brady. We saw them do that in last year's draft. And then we, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them do it in this year's draft as well. So for me, I think I look at, okay, what are your plans after Carson Strong or excuse me, after Tom Brady, what are your plans after Rob Gronkowski, or do you need another tight end? And if that's the case, and you do need another tight end, Jeremy Ruckert here runs a lot of the same things that, or has a lot of experience at Ohio state doing some of the things that Tampa does as well over on the offensive side. But I'm really intrigued by the idea of going with Carson Strong here at Nevada or out of Nevada. Yes, and even though Bruce Arians has now moved to the uh, front office, Carson Strong is the ideal kind of quarterback for the Byron Leftwich offense. Byron mm -hmm. Leftwich likes the same kind of quarterbacks Bruce Arians does. Those uh, tall, um, traditional dropback passers with rocket arms. Carson Strong fits that description too. Uh, T, and he is Ross Jackson, ladies and gentlemen, Locked On Podcast Network and the host of the Locked On Saints podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Ross Jackson Nola. Ross, thank you so much once again for joining us. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back soon with the fourth stop on our 2022 Dash to the Draft Divisional Tour, the star-studded AFC West. So stay tuned. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and on Instagram at Sports Crunch with dcrom. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. Also, be sure to check out the new and improved sportscrunch.com where my second mock draft of the 2022 cycle is now posted and we will be doing three more mock drafts before the actual draft on April 28th. For Ross Jackson, this is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, and whatever you're doing, folks, please keep the brave people of Ukraine in your thoughts and prayers. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool. Stay cool.